Well, good morning, church. How we doing? Good, good, good. Hey, if we've never met before, my name is Steve. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to invite you um, to join us this morning. Is anyone else, by the way, just real quick, still full from Thanksgiving? We deep fried a turkey this year, and if you haven't done that, you need to jump on the bandwagon. It's it's phenomenal. Our fridge is just packed full of um, all things Thanksgiving. And I'm not complaining at all. It's been wonderful. But uh, if you're joining us, enough about my Thanksgiving. If you're joining us for the first time, um, you came in at the final scene of the movie. So I want to encourage you to go on our website and after this one, don't do it right now, but after this, you can go back to our website and you can get all caught up on everything. You can watch the last five messages and then this will be number six. It's the final one. So to close this out, I wanted to do, if, if you're okay with this, I wanted to do basically what we did to open it up. And that was, uh, if you remember far back, we had everybody stand up, if you're able, and to recite Psalm 23. We'll put it on there. You don't have to do it from memory. Don't worry about that. But uh, if you're able, would you would you stand with me? And if you're not, that's totally fine. You can um, stay seated and, and play along with us. Those of you watching online, um, stand up in whatever room you're at as well. It'll be it'll be fun. We've done a lot of standing and reciting today. It feels it feels right, doesn't it? So here we go. Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6, and uh, I'm going to read a little quickly, so do your best to keep up if you can. All right, here we go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, Father God, your people have gathered this morning. We want to hear from you, Lord. Would you speak and would you move in only the way that you can? We want to have a better understanding of who you are, your love for us, so that we can go and share that with the world. So, Father, we're gathered. Would your Holy Spirit move in this place, online, with whoever is watching, and in, in the, even in the weeks to come, Lord. Speak to us, for your children have gathered, and we're listening. We pray this in Christ's name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Great. Thank you so much. Go ahead and have a seat. Now, it's the final, it's the final verse, so we gotta walk through it and find a couple terms, right? It says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, this idea of goodness, you know what goodness is, right? If you see something, you're like, that's good, that's good. Goodness is, it's favor, something that's pleasant, or it's delightful. Um, maybe your Thanksgiving meal was, it was good. It was really, really good, right? It's just, it, you, you just know it. You see someone makes a phenomenal catch in a football game, you're like, dang, that's good. That's really, really good, right? Uh, someone gives you a compliment or you have a wonderful conversation with someone, you're like, wow, that was just good, right? Uh, relationships with people, just good people. You, you know good when you see it or when you experience, right? This next one is a little more nuanced. The word mercy. And this is loving kindness. And this is so much uh, more profound than simply being um, kind for kindness sakes. That's, that's called being nice. We're talking about loving kindness, do you remember uh, when you were in an elementary school and it was, it was Valentine's Day? Do you remember this? Everybody in the class got a Valentine, didn't they, right? So you were at home the night before with your G.I. Joe Valentine's Day box, and you're signing all the things, Dear Kevin, Happy Valentine's Day, right? And you just walked through the line, right? And you gave it to everyone in the class. That was nice. That was kind. 
But there was that special boy or there was that special girl in class, wasn't there? That was, that was your boothing. You had your eye on that person, right? And, and their note, you wrote something a, a, a little more special, didn't you? You put a little more heat on it, a little more emphasis on that one. It was like, it was like, you, you started off this way. You're like, dear Tiffany, happy Valentine's Day. Dear Shannon, you are the most profoundly beautiful woman I've ever seen in third grade, right? Like you put more on it. <laughs> Loving kindness. And when you pass that baby off, you pass that card, that Valentine's Day card off to that special someone right there. There's some weightiness behind it. Your motive behind that, but it, it carried more with it, didn't it? It was more weighty. It was more profound. That's, that's loving kindness. It's not just nice for being nice. It's loving kindness. Um, you'll not just observe it, but you will, you will experience it. It leaves its mark on the person that is receiving it. That's, that's loving kindness, right? And then you have dwell, right? This word dwell, this is to ponder. This is to think about. This is, you meditate on these things. These are the things that hold your thoughts captive. Some of you are thinking about lunch again, and you're like, I just wrap this thing up. Let's pray, sing that song. You're just thinking about food and all the appointments you have to do. You're dwelling on what is next. We dwell on our jobs. We dwell on our family situation. We dwell on everything. It's just the things that consume your mind, that you spend the most time thinking about, contemplating, doing all those things. And then the house of the Lord. This is not heaven. As David is writing this, he's writing and he's reflecting on the temple. This is where the presence of God Hung out. This is where the presence of God dwells. And what David is saying, he says, as I go through my life with the good shepherd, he's going to lead me through these valleys. He's going to make me rest. He's going to make me lie down. We're going to do all these things. And at the end of the day, goodness and mercy, goodness and loving kindness are going to flow from me. And I will be in the presence of God Almighty for all the days of my life. This, this is what he's saying, right? This is what he's saying. So I, I want you to picture for a moment, um, you're, you're, you're at a lake. And the water is completely calm. Still waters, if you will. It's completely calm. And then you drop a boat in this thing. You fire that baby up. And that boat takes off. What does it leave behind? It leaves a wake behind, right? And that wake goes on the left side of the boat and the right side of the boat, right? And it goes all the way from one side of the lake to the other side, to shoreline, to shoreline. That wake will impact every single person on the lake, and that's the idea with you and I as we go throughout our lives. The way we carry ourselves, the decisions that we, that we make, the words that we say, as we interact with one another, we are leaving a wake in our presence. And what David is saying, because of my relationship with God, because of everything that he has done and I am in his presence, as I go throughout my life, I'm leaving a wake of goodness and mercy and it will impact everyone that is on the lake, everyone that is in your world that you come in contact with, right? This, this is the image that he's painting as he's writing all of these words. So you've been on a lake, right? You've seen that, like all the paddleboarders, they're standing up, they're doing their thing, right? They're trying to keep their balance. Have you ever, you ever been to Lake Wacom or something like that? Just another lake where there's a lot of boats on there. I'm talking about big old wakes, right? Because they're tubing. They're pulling people on tubes, trying to fling them off the tube. So they're doing, they're doing turns. They're carving. They're going really fast, just trying to sway people. They're, they're picking up water wherever they go, right? And as they're going down the lake, you got the paddleboarders that are just standing there. And the boat, it's crowded. The boats can't help it. But sooner or later, you're going to get fairly close to one of those stand-up paddleboarders. And you've seen it, right? You've been on the shore. You've been on the boat. You've watched this happen. The boat comes flying by. And my poor man's sitting there paddling. And they say, there's the wake. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. And then they do this move you've seen them right they're trying to balance it and then sure enough if you've ever seen them fall over it's good 
You're like, that was, it's not good for them, but if you're on the boat and you cause it, you're like, that's, that's funny. You love those moments. But like, that's the picture, right? When you're right next to the boat, you're going to experience the wake tremendously for all it's worth. But if you're more, you know, if you're closer to the shores, that wake, it, it loses some of its power, but nonetheless, it still hits the shore. This is the idea, this is the imagery that David is saying. If you live your life with the good shepherd, if you walk with him, if you dwell with him all the days of your life, goodness and mercy are going to be the byproduct. They're going to be the fruit that you bear. And what a beautiful thing. I love that. So we got to ask ourselves this question, though. How do you and I, how do we live our lives in such a way that whenever we interact with people, we leave behind a wake of goodness and mercy? How, how do we actually do that? Because it's one thing just to go to church and like live your life and go on autopilot. It's another thing wherever you go, people are impacted by the goodness and mercy that you produce or you leave behind. This, this isn't just living and going, going through the day-to-day life. This is having a tremendous impact in transforming people simply because they were in your presence. This is what God has in store. So how, how do we actually become those people Well, the answer to the question is you have to dwell with the Lord. You have to be aware of the Lord. You have to have an ongoing relationship with the Lord. So you have to ask yourself another question. If if I want to be the type of person that leaves a wake of goodness and mercy throughout all my days, I have to dwell with the Lord. Now, here's the next question. How much of God do you actually want in your life? You know what I mean? Like, how, because he will give you as much of him as you request. And here's where this gets a little tricky. Because if you want all of Jesus, like, be prepared. You know this. He's going to stretch you. You're going to grow. You're going to have some challenges. You're going to have situations where you didn't really want to step out in faith. But the good Lord is saying, come on, here we go. You wanted all of me. Keep up. Let's go. And it's, it's gonna, it, it can be difficult at times. It can be challenging, but it's always good. It's always right. It's always healthy. So be careful and, and know what you're, it's like when you pray for patience. <laughs> you're going to get situations where you have to be patient. Are you with me? It's the same concept. Some of you are like, I haven't prayed for patience in 15 years and life's been great. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there's two, there's two types of Christians, uh, in the third that fall in between, but here are the extremes. Um, one side is, is they, they just want the blood of Jesus. They're, they're the vampire Christians for lack of a better phrase. I I know. Kurt's preaching next week. It'll be fine. Come back next week. It'll be great. Uh, what I mean is, um, they, they prayed the prayer. They're washed by the blood of Jesus. Uh, they have salvation. They'll spend eternity in, in heaven when they die here on this earth. And they're good with that. This is one side of the extreme. The other side of the extreme are the people that want all of Jesus. And like I said, fair warning, because it is going to, um, you need to pick up your cross. It is going to um, require that you surrender your will on a daily, minute-by-minute basis. It, there will be growing pains. And I guess what I'm saying is, we, most people I don't think fall on those extremes. We fall somewhere in the middle. And what I want to say is, wherever you land on, on that spectrum, I think that's great. God's not mad at you. We're not mad at you. I just, if... If you just subscribe to vampire Christianity, you, you, get, you get salvation, which is beautiful, but you're missing out on a transformed life. 
You're missing out on, on the fruit of the Spirit, having a life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It, it's what we would call the abundant life. So, again, I, I'm not mad at you. I'm ecstatic. I, I'm looking forward to partying with you in heaven. But what I am saying is, you know, the average life is 80-some-odd years. Uh, you're missing out on a lot of goodness Amen. in the rest of your life if you just stay there. So I want to encourage us as we go on this thing, I'm going to give us a plan, a framework to work with so that you and I, we can dwell in the presence of God every single day of our lives. But it, be warned, you, you're going to change, you're going to grow, it's going to stretch you. So the rest of this sermon is going to be a little bit more um, teaching and less preaching. But uh, this is important because spiritual growth, life transformation, dwelling with God all the days of your life doesn't happen by accident. It happens with intentionality. So what I'd like to do is give us a plan that we can be intentional with because a lot of us, myself included, uh, we kind of go on autopilot and we wake up in the morning and we do some sort of spiritual discipline. We have church on Sunday, small group, maybe you serve somewhere and it's just, it's a routine, it's a ritual, but it's lost the weightiness of it. It's lost the relationship of you and God in this thing together. So I want to give us a plan. So if you have, if you've got a pen, paper, maybe you're all digital, taking notes on your phone, uh, be prepared to write because we're going to give a lot of things. But I have to give two qualifying statements, okay? Two qualifying, maybe uh, preliminaries, if you will. The first one is this, as we, we get ready for this plan for dwelling with God. The first one is this, don't only put Jesus first in your life, put him in the middle of everything. And here's what I mean. <clears throat> don't put Jesus first and check the box. And then move on with your life the rest of the day. That's like going to church on Sunday and getting your fix and then waking up Monday morning and just living life as if nothing happened on Sunday. The idea that well, I'm going to go and wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to pray and read my Bible, uh, and, and therefore God is with me all the steps along the day, I'm not sure those two things are connected. It is a great starting point, but you better make sure you've actually brought Jesus with you the rest of the day. Are you with me? It does you no good to read a, a chapter in the morning and then bleep, live like hell the rest of the week. Are you with me? Jesus is like, remember this half hour or five minutes? No judging. Remember the three minutes we spent and you read that one verse? Where was that Monday through Friday? <laughs> Are you with me? So you put Jesus, don't just put him first, right? Wake up in the morning and pray in communion with God. This is a, a beautiful and good thing. But make sure he's in the middle. Make sure he's touching everything in your life. As you're cooking breakfast, as you're driving the kids to school, as you're going to work and you're in the meetings with your coworkers, as you're paying bills, mowing the lawn, like whatever it is you're doing, make sure that Jesus is touching everything that you do. And if you do that, you'll be one step closer to dwelling with God all the days of your life. The second one is this. Again, preliminaries before we get to the plan. Focus on bearing fruit, not the watering cycle. My uncle Larry explained this to me and it made so much sense. Focus on bearing fruit, not the watering cycle. And, and here's what he said. Um, most Christian uh, disciplines or tools for spiritual growth, they, they say this. Uh, you have to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning. You need to go to a secluded, quiet place. Preferably a mountaintop if you can get there in a reasonable time. Uh, you're by yourself. Open up your Bibles. You need to read a chapter in the new, a chapter in the old. You need a psalm and one proverb. Then we need you to dwell on that. So, so think about it, reflect on it. Then we need you to journal on it. Then if you're really spiritual, you'll be fasting as well. And you'll go through all the, and you'll do, accomplish all of these things before 6 a.m. And then you, you have arrived. And, and, and if you really want to go a step further, solitude the rest of the day. 
Because then you'll be able to hear the small voice, the whisper of God. There's a problem I have with that. I don't know if you notice this. Uh, I'm extroverted. I'm loud. I didn't like reading till I went to college. So what I equated growing up, uh, I'm, I'm not an academic, um, growing up and learning to spend time with God felt like homework and a chore. That was the unintended consequence because I was essentially told, Steve, you're wired this way, but to grow in Jesus, you need to do this. We focused on the watering cycle, on the schedule, not on the fruit that is being bared. Are you, are you with me? This is so incredibly important. If you're not a morning person, I'm not a morning person. It takes me two hours to like actually be awake to the world. God doesn't want me reading his scriptures in the morning because I won't, I won't remember what I've read. A great tip, read it the night before if you're a night owl. Pray on it, wake up in the morning and then reflect back and go, okay, I read that I should love and forgive people. Okay, how am I going to do that throughout the day? And then you bear fruit from that. It counts if you read the night before and you apply it in the morning. Are you with me? You don't, look, I'm extroverted. I love people. Don't put me up on the mountaintop by myself all the time. I need to go up there periodically throughout the year. But I'm telling you, conversations I have with people, man, I, you just, I can feel God in that moment. Last thing, and then we'll move on because I'm spending way too much time on this. You ever have a conversation with somebody and you walk away going, that, that was from the mouth of God. Like, I don't know how they knew this or said this, but that spoke exactly to my situation. But what I'm here to tell you is that, that counts. It counts. The important thing is you, you do need to be reading your Bible. You do need to be praying. You do need to be growing. In these spiritual disciplines of solitude and fasting, you need to do those things. But they also need to be done in such a way that they bear fruit, not endless ritual. So two qualifying statements. I know I hit you with a ton right now. You're like, oh, okay. So let, let's get into the plan. Are you ready? The people, the people typing online were significantly louder. Online people, I appreciate you. Thanks for being here. Okay, number one, here's your plan for dwelling with God. Number one, remind yourself that God is already with you. He's... He's here in the room. When you woke up this morning, he was, he was in the room that you opened your eyes in. As you hop in your car to get here, he, he was with you in your car. You can't out, outrun this God. Half of the idea of dwelling in, in the presence of God throughout the day is just the recollection and the realization that he is here. He's here. David, who wrote Psalm 23, wrote this one as well, um, 139, verses 7 through 8. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. You cannot outrun this God. He is there. And even when you try, he's the good shepherd. He He leaves the 99 and pursues you, the one. He's, he's here. And when you and I live our day and we go throughout our lives realizing that God is in the room that I am in, in the conversations are radically different. They're radically different. The self-worth, the self-esteem, who you see yourself as as you relate to other people, drastically different than when you think that God isn't involved in your life. Number two, schedule rest with God. Psalm 23, right? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. This is the rest. 
Some of us, if you're, you're kind of wired like me, you're a little bit type A and you want to like go, 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 accomplish and achieve things and check things off the list and boom, 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 I did this. Like you even run a hundred miles an hour throughout the whole day. And then when it's bedtime, you're like, I need, I need to accomplish sleep. So you check that off the list and boom, you're out. You're just driven like that. Scheduling and, and rest is very difficult to do because you're not doing anything. And, and it could be because you're, you're trying to be so focused on doing things because you're outrunning an issue that you don't want to deal with. And you know that when you sit down and you rest and you have a conversation at the table with God, he's going to talk about it. But don't fear. There's no reason to fear. But you do have to address the issue because you will inevitably burn out. I learned a couple things about rest. There's just three of them. I'll give them to you real quick. Um, number one, resting with Jesus reminds us <laughs> that he's here and he's in our presence, right? We already talked about that. Number two, <laughs> the world still spins when you're not doing anything. I didn't like that one. I don't like it because it leads to the next one that I don't like. Number three, we're not as important as we think we are. Which can be a peaceful thought once you get past the initial shock quick story uh before i came here I, I had the privilege of working with with college students with a bunch of young adults and finally got a a big vacation coming up and we had a big event so uh talked with the the, the volunteers our leaders right and you, you kind of delegate all right you're in charge of food you're in charge of uh making sure that people actually pay for the event because um, we charge for it right and so you, you got the band you need to make sure this is coming up and you just go through the list right doom, 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 doom. okay someone needs to be um the cruise director and make sure that things are starting on time when they're not or starting on time so yeah whatever you're with me right you understand okay so i'm delegating everything and uh we're doing all this and then i leave and i didn't check i didn't check instagram i didn't do any social media no email no nothing it was vacation i went thank you jesus i was resting and then i got back and i had that dreadful oh man i gotta meet with these people and see how this whole thing went so meet with the leaders and say okay how did it actually go say phenomenal it was great but steve we want to let you know we we tweaked a couple things Uh, oh Okay, what'd you tweak? Well, so we moved the booth over here and we actually started at this time and the opening band, uh, we actually moved them around and this event came here. I come to find out, they essentially walked me through the whole process and they changed everything. <laughs> and they're like, and it was better. It was great. We had more people show up than we thought we would. You weren't speaking, but everyone loved the speaker. <laughs> Ouch. The world still spins when you're not doing anything. We're not as important as we think we are. And I think most importantly for me, I came back rested. I was friendly. (laughs) I loved people more. I had more patience with people. Crazy. Okay, keep going. Number three. Number three, as you're making your plan to dwell with God, number three, decide how you will love other people. Decide how you're going to love other people. Jesus said the most, well, there was a man that asked you, let me just read it. Matthew 22, verse 36 to 39. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. If the most important thing that you and I do in our lifetime is love Jesus and love other people, we ought to have a plan for it. 
And I, I was having a conversation this week uh, with Sarah Nelson. If, if you don't know her, she, um, she is what makes the small groups engine run. Uh, her and I work together very closely on it. And if you're in a small group and it's, it's make sure you thank her. But she, she found this out. I think it's from a documentary, but she says that Mr. Rogers, y'all know Mr. Rogers. There's Mr. Rogers. Um, he would wake up every morning and he would have a journal and he knew who uh, his guest stars were going to be that were on his show. He knew the camera people, right? You go through the list, everyone that's handing out notes and scripts and all these people. He knew on a given day that he was going to interact with so many people and knew all their names. So he'd write their name and uh, he'd put a dash next to it. And then he would write, he would plan out how he was going to love that person that day. How he was going to add value to that person that day. And I thought, what a beautiful thing, because the intentionality behind that is amazing because you're actually making sure that you love the people you come in contact with, right? Not going on autopilot in your relationships, but intentionally loving them. Here's where it gets profound. Uh, Does anyone remember the episode with Officer Clemens? Do you remember this? Maybe you're familiar with this picture. This is um, at the height of racial tension. And Mr. Rogers sees that man, Officer Clements, casts him and says that I'm going to love and add value to you. A black man with his feet in the pool with a white man, at that time, that was unheard of. That was a no-no. And Mr. Rogers, check this out. The intentionality behind this is beautiful. Is looking at that man, at Officer Clements, and saying, I'm going to love you. And by loving the one... He's leaving behind a wake because a generation grew up watching Mr. Rogers and how he impacted other people, how he treated people, how he loved his neighbor. Won't you be my neighbor? What a, what a beautiful, beautiful thing for the church, for the body of Christ to do. The implications of this are huge. Yes, the wake hit him first and foremost, but man, every kid that watched that show Every adult that sat with their kids and watched the show saw that. And I'm going to love you. And he did this not just with Clemens, but with everyone that worked on the show. This was how he lived his life. Now imagine for a moment, imagine husbands and wives. Listen, listen. Imagine husbands and wives if we did this with our spouses. Every day. It wasn't just on autopilot. If I have enough energy, well, if the stars align and I wake up and I feel good, I'm going to do this thing. But every day we just intentionally did one thing. Figure out your spouse's love language and you did, you did a, a loving act intentionally that spoke their language. The wake immediately hits your spouse. But if you have children, they take notes. They see how mom and dad love each other. From that, they, they understand that this is how I'm supposed to love other people. And when I get married, I'm going to love the way that they did. Amazing, 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 amazing. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch the episode. Two more points, two more, and we'll wrap up. Number four, embrace the interruptions. You're going to plan your plan, and it's going to be the most glorious plan. And you know what? It's not all going to work. There will be two interruptions. The first one is a divine interruption. God's going to uh, allow interruptions or opportunities to enter into your life. You decide which one they are. Those are moments for you to love other people, to extend grace, goodness, mercy, loving kindness to them. Those are going to come up. You have an opportunity to do something with those things. The second thing is sinful interruptions. Look, we're at church. Let's be honest. Uh, Some of us, all of us, we're going to sin. Probably once or twice because we're really good people. (laughs) We, We have a habit 
of sinning. It's, it's a terrible habit. It's a very destructive, evil habit. But nonetheless, we do it. So why not have some intentionality behind it as to how we're going to bounce back from it? Are you with me? If you sin, what is your plan of repentance, of coming back to God? Are you going to wait till the very end of the day? Are you going to pray in that moment? Are you going to call a friend and be accountable with one another? Confess your sin to somebody? What are you going to do with the interruption? Because your plan is to bring Jesus with you every step of the way throughout your life for every minute of the day. And then something's going to come up. You're going to choose to sin. How, how are you going to... Are you with me? What's the plan? You, we need to think about this plan and we have to have a rough idea of how to do this. Lastly, number five, share your plan with others. Share your plan with other people. Christianity following Jesus, this is not a, uh, a solo endeavor. There is a personal relationship with Jesus, but there is not a private relationship with Jesus because we're supposed to love him and love others. Proverbs said it, says it this way, verse 12, or chapter 12, verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man listens to advice. This is what you're doing. You're you're sharing your plan. This is how I'm going to dwell with God every day for the rest of my life. How are you going to do it? And then you compare notes. And you say, oh, I never thought about that. That's a brilliant idea. I should go do that. I should set my alarm every hour. Just bing, God is with you. Bing, God is with you. What a great idea. I never thought of that by myself. Great. And we end up blessing each other. We end up encouraging one another. And the wake that I leave behind is now stronger and the wake that you leave behind is now stronger And before you know it this lake that everyone is trying to stand up everyone's getting knocked over with your goodness and mercy That's amazing. What a wonderful opportunity. So here's the deal church As we close out This psalm psalm 23 we did five verses on this is who god is. This is what he does This is how he loves. This is what he does with you and I verse six is our response. What do we do? With what God does for us. This is for us to go and share and to bless the world. So that in your life and in my life, wherever we go, goodness and loving kindness are in the wake behind us. And it hits everybody that we come in contact with. Now, last thing, and then we'll bring the band up. Last thing is this. um, What's at stake if we don't do this? If we don't have a plan, I think what's at stake simply is this. We, we continue to learn and know information about God, but we do not grow in our intimacy of knowing God. There's a difference between being educated and knowing your scriptures and knowing who God is and walking and talking and being with the presence of God. This is where you have the fruit of the spirit. It comes from this. This is the life transformed. This is the life well lived that other people look at you and say, there's something different about you. I want that. And we get the glorious opportunity to say, it's not me, it's Jesus. And we share the gospel. And we bless other people. And when people see you walking around and they say, that, that's a good person. That's, that person has loving kindness. And it seems to me that they're walking with their shepherd and life wasn't perfect for them. They went through some valleys, some dark valleys. And their life right now, they're in the middle of one and yet they're sitting at the table. They're resting in the green meadows and the still waters. But they do it in a way that I've never seen before. What is that? And friends, as a church, as a church, we get to impact the world around us. And lead people to the good shepherd. So I want to pray that we do that.
that we'd be a people that when we come to church on Sundays, it's not just intellectual agreement or stimulation, but it's heart transformation. This is what Psalm 23 is all about. So would you, would you pray with me? Lord, we come before you. And Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would touch every mind, every heart, every soul in this room, Lord. And you would burn inside of them this passion to look at their life on paper and to sketch out a rough plan of what it means to walk and talk with you all the days of our lives. Father, when our minds rush off into a million different directions, Lord, would you help us dwell on you and you alone? Remove the distractions. And Lord, our our plan isn't perfect and we're not perfect people. But every step of the way, may it be known, Lord, that as the people of your church, as we continue to live our lives day in and day out, the wake that we are leaving behind increases. It gets bigger and bigger and goodness and mercy would follow us all the days of our life. We pray this in the name of Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. amen, amen. Hey, would you stand with me as we sing one last song?